Welcome to the Globe Screen Podcast. Globe Screen is an international events company operating festivals and conferences for the entertainment industry in the US, UK, and France. Find us on Twitter at Globe Screen CONF. We're so pleased to have Anne-Ri Boer on the Globe Screen Podcast. Welcome, Anne-Ri. Could you please give us an introduction of yourself? Hi, I'm I'm Anne-Ri. I have spent oh goodness this is this is a scary question going for 27 years in various forms of the creative industry at this point um started in live uh then transitioned into recorded media in the last five years and i think one of the things that we find a lot of fun to do is to kind of do the things that people say you can't do that and that seems to encourage us to then come up with new ideas and cause trouble in places where people say you shouldn't put your nose in so here we are i like that it's um i'm a believer in challenging yourself especially filmmaking and productions i think that's so important to grow as a creative could you tell us a little bit about how you came to be in the film and television industry i actually started in the middle of africa in zambia believe it or not (laughs) And had a very weird trajectory because I started with the creative industry coming in from the arena of being a dancer at first. And um, in a very roundabout circuitous route that led to me coming to the United Kingdom to do additional training. And that was in performing arts with film. But invariably, the performing arts happened before the film happened. And in our industry, often you go with the thing that 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 has an opportunity at that point. Um, It gave me the opportunity to work in the industry in locations both in the UK as well as in the Caribbean, which was quite lovely to see new talent developing in in other locations than just what you would expect. Um, And then about six years ago, we made the decision to return to the UK because we have a 15-year-old daughter now uh, who's been very keen on the industry no matter how much I've tried to dissuade her she's always been adamant that she's going to do something in this arena and uh, when she was eight she managed to get some very good feedback from Juilliard for a outreach program I was doing for gifted and talented youngsters in the Caribbean and it was the point where my husband and I sat down and Simon I just and I decided that okay we might have to take this serious now we we're reaching a point where we can't just keep telling her she doesn't know what she's on about. And the opportunity arose to return to London, which personally I was quite excited about because it became a moment where it was a natural point to actually focus on the film side of the industry for the first time. It allowed me to do things in a, in a little bit of an unorthodox way because I started finding myself doing things on film sets because I, I I wanted to see where the industry was. I wanted to see how things were happening. I wanted to see how things had changed. When when you study something, it's such a difference from when you're working every day in your life. And we're in an industry that is constantly evolving and constantly changing. So it became a great opportunity to actually just throw caution to the wind and get stuck in. And that's amazing. That result that resulted in us doing some short form projects and one of those got picked up to actually go into the short film corner 
process within CAM uh, in 2017 and opened a door for us to connect with a Los Angeles production company who then came on board as executive producers for us to move the project towards uh, feature, feature opportunities. And subsequently to that, um, Simon, my husband and I opened up Tapping Fog Productions fully and decided that sometimes you can't wait for the right time. You have to get out there and, and do. <laughs> so Very true. our aim has been to really find a way. It's very easy to make films with big stars and big names and lots of money. But... Oh, I say easy, it presents its own set of challenges, as I'm sure you're aware. But one of the things we've always been keen on in all of the spheres we've been involved in in performing arts is that capacity to connect emerging artists or new artists into the industry. And so invariably, we very rapidly found ourselves in a position where we felt we wanted to continue that process, but within the film industry. And after some extensive conversations with people in the business, with distributors, we realized that there's so many doors that remain shut when you are an artist breaking into the industry. It's essentially, you need a hammer and, and a chisel to, to make a hole in that wall to actually be allowed in. And it's that point of, might we be, the opportunity to open that door for an artist to actually step into the industry. And that resulted in an extensive brainstorming conversation that went on over several months where we looked at how can we actually put ourselves in a position where we can create content that allow us to develop artists who could actually be those talents that could headline the next great project. Um, that resulted in us having to think really outside the box because we realized very rapidly a lot of the funding to do that would be coming from us as an organization because we needed to to show what we could do we needed to prove our concept in 2018 we then produced our first feature length project which opened up the mentor through film development process for us where we worked entirely with emerging artists it was a great opportunity because I'd done loads of directing on the theatrical stage, but I finally got to actually put those skills into practicality on the film screen. And of course, it's great when you have an opportunity to actually, at times, try things that sometimes you wouldn't be keen on trying if you, if you think there's somebody else standing behind you signing the checks. If that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> That's what I love about being an independent filmmaker is that um, there's less sort of filmmaking by committee than, you know, in other situations that I've been in. Indeed. And that was a fantastic project simply because we got to work with quite a number of young performers. Um, we find within the independent feature film arena, especially in the UK, working with, with youngsters become much harder because with the regulations to protect young performers here, often independent production companies are more hesitant of the process. Um, 
because at the end of the day, none of us want to put a young performer into a compromising position. Um, most of all, I find filmmakers tend to actually, especially in the independent arena, we tend to be maybe more careful about actually wanting to look out for each other because we're still in that ecosystem where tomorrow you're working together on this and the day after we're working together on that. So you're building those connections. You build, you're building that web of support in a way. Yes. And so something we could bring to the table that was harder for other uh, creators was the fact that because we've got a lot of background in developing younger talent and working with younger talent, we could do a project that allowed a showcase point for young performers. Um, when we did the film Being Grace, what was lovely about it was we started getting a lot of community support. We had the story revolved around a young dancer who realizes the traditional route to becoming a ballerina isn't actually the thing that ignites her passion. And by accidentally meeting a digital musician, this unlikely friendship actually resolved in a way for her to tell her very average middle-class family that there's more to life than just what mom or dad might think I should be doing. So it became quite, quite a sweet little story in its own way, but it also then resulted in us connecting with some local colleges and, and local dance schools, etc., who all started putting energy into the project, which became a really lovely connection point into our local community as a result. Um, the project in its own right was interesting because when it was ready and we started putting it out there, a connection I'd made from working on one of the Marvel films a few years before, uh, picked up our trailer and actually shared it with the distributor on our behalf. And that opened up the next door for us at that point. Nice. And I saw that you had worked on, was it Dr. Strange? I saw that on your that's right. MDB. That's, a, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, um, so that's amazing. And we're going to unpack a lot more with the mentoring because that's something that's really near and dear to my heart because I'm actually also a professional filmmaking mentor through a program. It's a, it's a school that's based here in the U.S. called Film Connections where they pair film students with actually filmmakers that are working in the field. Um, but I want to ask, actually, how do you guys, and you, you talked about it a little bit about, the que the question is, how does Tapping Frog Productions approach talent in the UK and internationally? And I know you're very interested in emerging talents, which is really amazing. What do you look for? Oh, that's a very good question. And I think it, every every talent manager will give you a different answer. What I find personally is, I think it's very much about not just talent, but personality because so much of our industry isn't just about that moment of performance or that moment of making the project. It's also about per personality, personableness, the capacity to get on and, and to be a giving individual to the people around you, because that way a project can really fly rather than feeling like it's kind of a fight and a desperation to get there. And for that reason, That's what so I true. love to do is work with, artists as they're coming into the business although saying that we've now subsequently got some artists who's more established as well funny how these things worked out um but for us what we look at is that capacity to to really make you want to see more if that makes sense makes perfect uh, sense I, I, yeah. I approach projects the same way so what, you, what you're saying really resonates 
a lot with me too, because I, even with behind the lens where, for instance, I've looked for cinematographers, I've made, you know, a list of, okay, well, we look at everybody's reels, who's the best, but then you kind of narrow it down to a short list. Well, who's really great, but who's somebody that I, I will mesh with creatively. And, you know, especially when you're doing a production, you know how it is, you're sort of like at camp. So you also want to find yeah. somebody that you're going to connect with and get along with, and you have respect for each other's work and working methods mm -hmm. and, and, and all those sort of things. So I think I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned about the personality factor, because I think that's something that's not really taught in film schools that, you know, younger filmmakers and people that are getting into the field have to sort of learn sometimes the hard way, really. A lot of what we see in the industry and we work with performers, not just in the UK, but we also represent in talent who are European based at the moment. And we really notice that, especially when we bring graduates on the book, they spend so much time learning about the art of putting their performance out there. But I don't think enough time is spent on understanding the business that goes with the show. And I think it does actually put these individuals in a position where it's almost as if they're passing how to act and then they're having to pass the process of how to actually get into a position to be able to act once they've gone through that. And as a result, I think for us, we don't, we actually work with, with actors who haven't necessarily gone through a formal training program, although we also work with actors who've gone through a formal training program because it's, for us, there are actors out there that just have that spark that cannot necessarily be taught by being on a three-year course. So we don't think they should be put by the wayside or, or disregarded at all. But it is very much for us a process of supporting understanding of the industry when we work with an actor. It isn't just, here you go, there's an audition, bye-bye. For us, it's a very supportive process. It, we are very much the people where if there's a phone call at 3 a.m. in the morning, and yes, they do happen, <laughs> where an actor says, listen, I'm partway through the sides and I'm just totally stuck. We're there to answer that phone call. We're there to chat it through. We're, we're there to say, hang on a minute, this isn't going to move your career forward in the way that you would like it to. Let's find a better way to approach these things. So we do find we spend probably a lot more time than an average talent management agency in that point where we are actually a support structure for our actors because we want them to really have resilience. We want them to have longevity and we want them to build lifetime careers. We're very focused on where would you like to go so that we can build those steps to get there. And we're very open about the fact that this isn't something that's going to happen in three months or six weeks or two days. If it does, fantastic. But we're really honest about the fact that if you want to be in this industry, you have to be in it because it's a burning and absolute need. You cannot live without it. Because if that passion is there, all of the hard stuff you have to do to make it happen becomes incidental because you can see what you're aiming for. If you're doing it just because, oh my goodness, I'm going to be the new billboard, it does seem to have performers reach that point where they very quickly find themselves working themselves out of the industry well because said. there's nothing yeah. to really give them that that understanding 
that resilience to to make it in the long haul. And I really want to see actors be there for a long time. I don't want them to be in it for six months because they haven't got the time to show us their best work in in such a short period. And I I know the company is producing various features through Tapping Frog Banner. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Um, Yes and no. (laughs) The fun of our industry. we're currently working on a fantasy trilogy of films. Uh, this has been a very odd year for us because we came out of Christmas in a very excited position because um, the first film in the trilogy had reached that point where it was a lot of graft and hard work and, and bringing people in the industry together. We'd reached that point where we were ready to attach a very pivotal talent because the, the film has a very specific uh, female action-driven story. And we were ready to attach the cast to make everybody sign their name on the paper and, and move into production in 2020. And then we hit a very fun snag. And I know when, when people come on these things, we all like to talk about this went well and this went well, but I'm actually going to talk about the thing that didn't go well. And then in the end opened up other doors for us I think it ended up that we hit a snag in that the the talent we were talking to invariably was attached to another series of projects as well and the studio attached to that felt that they were not confident with the the overlap that they saw between the two projects and so at the very last minute you know, it's a, it's a bit like a house of cards and now you have to restack all the cards. And at the time, it was a very, very tough thing for us because we'd spent two and a half years positioning all the pieces for this project. You know, development is a process in our industry and it yeah. was quite a monetarily substantial project for the company, which, again, had some really decent players involved. And it hit us really hard. It hit us really, really hard to get to that point and to suddenly feel like, on the one hand, we felt quite flattered that they felt our IP was strong enough to actually compete with theirs. You know, when you have a studio with lots of money behind you and you don't think about these things. But for us, that was actually one of those kind of sideswipe compliments. And on the other hand, it was very frustrating to think, oh, gosh, now we have to kind of pick the pile of cards up and restack them again. And of course, it was about a month after that that all the lockdowns around the world started happening for COVID. Yeah. And we were about six weeks into the lockdowns in, in the UK and Simon and I sat down and we realized, you know, somebody was actually looking out for us because if we'd gone into a position where we were just going into pre-production and having just signed all of these offers and have all this money into play and now we're sat in a position where we can't film for six months or eight months because nobody knew how long a piece of string was at that point, that could have actually caused some really drastic issues for us as a producer. And in the long run, we've now reached a point where we feel actually maybe the universe was looking out for us and saying, hang on a minute, this is not the year to do it, but just hold on. The opportunity is going to be ready for you. Just be patient with it. And so I think, one of the things we do quite a lot is when we get knocked down, we will take a moment, 
have a very strong cup of coffee, get a bit frustrated and then say, okay, so what can we pick up out of the shards of this mess that, that has broken on the table? And I think that's become one of our strengths because we've reached a point now where we're not actually seeing that as a setback, although we did at the time. We're seeing that as the thing that created time for us to actually support the talents we manage and also to give time for us to continue building the mentorship program, which invariably will mean because of this program, we've now got four actors who are who are starting to develop their own profile slowly but surely, which means there's going to be opportunities on our commercial production side where we're going to be able to push those doors open for them. And that was ultimately our aim. Our aim through the mentorship program was to be the stepping stone into fully commercial realized projects for these actors we're working with. And so when you take that step away and you look from a higher view, you realize actually the game plan we had three years ago is coming together. But when you get bogged down into doing the individual stitches on the pattern, you sometimes forget that the pattern is slowly completing itself. So in hindsight, we're actually in a, in a very positive place as a company for that because it meant that we still have the project in a position where we can continue with it. We've not had any any issues with dealing with lockdown, et cetera. So that is very helpful for us as a company, especially as an independent producer who haven't got the, the deep pockets of somebody like Netflix behind us. Yeah. Um, we have to be so much more more particular and more careful because we do want projects that go out into the wider world to really be realized well, something that we all become proud of. It isn't just a let's throw some paper towels on a wall and see which ones stick kind of approach for us. We, we may be much more focused on what we put out into the world as a result. That makes perfect sense. In, in general, how has COVID changed the way Tapping Frog is approaching its business? On the one hand, we were in a very positive position already because a lot of the day-to-day production side of what we do, we were already working from our home office for. So when the lockdown started rolling through, the immediate button push moment for us wasn't as impactful as for some of our colleagues in the industry, where suddenly they all were carrying computers under their arm to their car to go home, to go and set up to work. We were already in that arena in a way, so that was positive for us. Um, we took that point and actually pivoted to support our, our talent book. That was one of our more immediate concerns at the time because, of course, we had artists who were about to go into projects. We had artists who were on hold for projects. And immediately as everything started shutting down, we had real knock-on effect. We had theatrical artists. We had film artists <laughs> who uh, really got gut-punched by the whole process. And I think we're still in a position where several of the projects are in limbo. And, and we're hoping that in the spring we're going to be able to to put those back on their feet again. But because those are projects that's not within the company, it's other producers we're connecting talent with. We're trying to do as much support as we can for them, but we're also supporting our actors. Um, So I think for us, the biggest change actually was we 
immediately started connecting with the British Film Commission, whom we were already connected with. But we put ourselves in that discussion point for what is needed to be able to actually get productions back going and what can realistically be done. I think we put ourselves in that discussion stream very early on because for us that was very much a focus point, not just as the producer, but also because we had talent that was affected by that outside of our own company. Um, I think one of the things that's been really positive within the UK arena has been the support as an industry for filming projects to really find ways to problem solve so that we can continue to work. And I think one of the things that's become very positive has been the large scale uptake between both the larger producers as well as the independent producers to actually follow a, a similar code of safety expectations on our sets because that meant that we could put various players that's involved in projects into a much more confident space because they know what they're going to get, because there was communication between different arenas in the industry, between casting directors, between talent. And we're in a position now where even though, of course, we're all worried about the second wave in Europe starting to ramp up, it is putting us in a position where, for now at least, production seems to be somewhat ring-fenced. Uh, from the wider impact because of the fact that the onset expectations we're all following have been so much more particular than your high street grocery store or your average office building because we've been so concerned about knowing we need to keep our actors, we need to keep our crew, we need to keep people in, in a healthy status so that we can continue producing. I think we're now seeing the positive fallout of that in a way because it is allowing us to continue to work rather than to be immediately worried about going back into a second lockdown. Um, the impact beyond that, though, is still being felt because what we are seeing is that a lot of independent productions are maybe holding off a little bit. If they were supposed to start shooting October, November, we're getting notice through that they're going to push for a spring production start. Um, we are seeing that the majority of projects that are continuing to chug along are already established television, are already in production film. But that was expected, so we're not too surprised by that. I think the the larger ramification we're really seeing is the impact of taking out live performance opportunity from the industry because most actors are multi-talented and work across the boundary of live and, and pre-recorded media. And as a result of that, you're now essentially funneling a much larger talent base into fewer current opportunities. So on the one end, it's very much a producer's market right now because you've got higher profile talent willing to go into projects which maybe a year ago they wouldn't have been as excited by. And because they're waiting for a project that's maybe being delayed or having a knock-on push because the team is still finishing something that was delayed because of the first lockdown, you're now seeing that situation where talents are maybe more open to taking projects which they would maybe be umming and eyeing a bit about because they would feel their profile would be maybe not suiting that project. Now the door is kind of pushed wide open for producers because 
performers want to perform. Creatives want to be out there doing what they love. And from that point of view, I think it's going to be interesting to see some of the projects in, say, six months or 12 months is going to come out of this period as you start seeing all of this coagulation between creatives, performers, and how the industry kind of rebalances itself as a result of all of that. I do think it creates a sort of domino effect because even major studios are pushing back releases on many projects, so including tentpole franchises. So that's, I think that carries then, it trickles down across the board, really. Very much so. I think we're going, we've been talking for about two years about the seismic shift in the distribution process that's hitting the industry. Uh, of course, hugely pushed by the streamers and the amount of money our larger streaming services are pushing into the industry to gain the, the content to bring people to their platforms. But saying that, I think we're in a position now where ultimately our streamers are going to become our content deliverers because yes we all want to support being in a cinema we all want to have that fantastic experience but are we willing to do it at the risk of the health of our nearest and dearest and i think that is a very difficult question we 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 have to find a way to simply put entertain our population put our work out there and we have to be flexible about the ways and means we get our product to our audience. I do think there's opportunity as the situation in the system rebalances itself over the next couple of years. I think you will find cinema won't die. I think people enjoy that ex that shared experience too much. I don't think it will go away forever, but I think it will be drastically changed. And when you look at a situation right now where people are, in many countries are in a situation where financially this situation is causing great impact, it is easier for them to pay 15 bucks to see a film through a streaming window and be able to get the whole family together and be in a safe environment, for instance, in their own home, rather than to be shelling out that amount per person at a time when financially they are more constrained. So I think there's, there's so many threads impacting that capacity to just throw open the cinema door right now. And we've talk, been talking about that on the theatrical side for a long time. The, the cost of going to physically see that show compared to the realistic capacity of your average audience member, it's what makes it so hard at times for us to get the audience members that really need to be in that live performance in there because the tickets become prohibitively expensive. I'm, I'm sure you're in New York, you've seen that on Broadway as well. Absolutely. So we need to make sure that we find the way to connect the arts to our, our audience in an accessible way. And if we can continue to do that, our industry is going to continue to thrive, but we need to be willing to step out of the box we used to, and then we'll be able to do that wholeheartedly agree and i was literally having this conversation yesterday on a set where you know somebody said oh i think movie theaters are going to disappear completely i said well you know people have been saying that for the last 50 plus years even when vhs came out people were saying that i was reading articles about how people were thinking that that was the end of movie theaters now also i also agree it is going to change things are definitely going to change people have more sort of a home theater environment in their homes, like the average person could really 
watch a movie in, in a way that they never could in their own home in a safe environment. But I do think it's a it's an important aspect, that communal way of watching films. I think that's still going to exist in some sort of capacity. It probably is going to shift into more of a premium sort of experience, like going to like a Broadway mm-hmm. show or like, you know, Indeed. probably tickets are going to be more expensive. They were already starting to roll out more of that watching movies while eating dinner and that kind of thing, at least here in New yeah. York and other places in the U.S. I don't know if that's been a thing in the U.K. We've seen that over here as well. The The push on a more premium experience has already been coming through for a couple of years now and cinemas having additional advantages to that watching experience being brought to bear for the, for the viewing audience has already been coming. I think, in a way, this this whole worldwide situation with the pandemic is maybe just forcing that hand faster. Yeah, exactly. 100%. So I want to also discuss a little bit about your mentoring as well. You also operate an organization called Mentor Through Film. Can you tell us what is this organization set up to do? So Mentor Through Film is kind of came about a little bit accidentally to be honest we because of our aim with what we're doing on the production side to find opportunity to bring emerging talent into mainstream media we found ourselves in a position where we were essentially informally mentoring a number of actors for a while and we're doing some short form projects with these individuals to start showcasing their talent And then in 2018, after a very extensive conversation with some industry connections, we had that realization that if we want an actor to be seen in that lead role, we need to put them in a position to demonstrate their capacity to carry that pressure. And that developed into us building the mentorship program into a position where we could create that kind of content that would give those creatives a chance to actually show what they're capable of rather than just bang at the door for five years to get a one-line part. Um, It's through the mentorship program that we then realized there's another side to the problem because it's grand developing an actor, but now they need to be put in an opportunity to actually access other projects because our aim is never to just support an actor for Tapping Frog, because that's a very narrow-minded view. Because at the end of the day, that actor's profile growing through a variety of projects, not just make them a much more interesting performer to watch, to see how their talent develop, but it also cross-pollinates the value between the different projects that they appear in. And as we've seen with various emerging artists, once they hit that point of, shall we say, Uh, international notoriety where people pick up on them, then suddenly a lot of other work they've been in start getting a lot more public notice as well. So it is that give and take between artist and creator in a way. And as a result of that realization, we then decided to formalize our mentorship process. And what we were after was not just that capacity to showcase an actor, but we realized we needed a process behind that. And for us, it was very much driven by the need to be an opportunity for an actor, regardless of background, regardless of affluency, to be able to access an opportunity. And so for that reason, 
when we do a mentorship project, we audition in the way any other project would. Our expectations are just as high, often higher. Um, we, However, what we do do is at every stage of the process, we do give a lot of feedback, a lot of discussion, a lot of support. So it's coagulated into a position where now after three years of running the program, um, it's become a very nice bridge between Tapping Frog Talent Management and Tapping Frog Productions because it becomes that opportunity for us to constantly be growing and developing our artists. And we position it so that it gives our artists opportunities to partake in between other projects they're involved in or projects that are from producers outside of Tapping Frog itself. But it does mean that rather than just necessarily focusing on our own talent, though to be fair, we do do quite a lot of that, we will have opportunities that will come up where we'll say, listen, no, we need to open this can of worms wider. We're taking in outside auditions, outside submissions, and it's allowing us to to open a door to see performers who at times might have found it's a very hard door to walk through to make a connection. Uh, we don't necessarily look at mentorship auditionees who are already represented or anything like that. We literally look at them from the point of view of this is your capacity to make me want to see more. It comes back to what we look at on the talent management side. If you bring something to that character for that project that really just make us unable to pull our eyes away from the screen, then you have the thing that we need to support and develop further. Um, we're very pleased to say that after three years, the mentorship program has grown enough now that with the support of various individuals in the industry, various other companies in the industry supporting the program, we've reached a point where several of our artists who've been in earlier projects have circled back around to support a subsequent project. And I'm not just talking about in front of the camera. We've actually got artists now coming in and developing skills behind the lens, which is fabulous because at the end of the day, I feel we're all well-rounded creators and we've all got stories to tell. So it becomes a multifaceted skill set we're supporting as a result. And this year, we are also in the position where for the first year, we are bringing on board a full composer for one of our mentorship projects. And she's actually one of the talents on our main book already. We we signed her as an actress, but me being me, I, I like to delve into people's capacities and what they've done. And so we find ways where we can open up more opportunity and more doors. And so the conversation led to, I'm, I've seen some of your work. I've listened to some of your music. You are having a background in this. Why don't we put the skill set into film? And it's becoming very rewarding from the point of view of, of seeing people finding more enjoyment in the industry rather than finding themselves so pigeonholed into one spot. Um, there's the saying about you have to be typecast to be cast. And then once you're cast, you can break the mold. 
Um, That's interesting. <laughs> to begin I like with, that. Every, everybody looks at what's on the package and they don't realize all the depth underneath it. Unfortunately, we, we do tend to judge a book by its cover in our business a little bit. That's so true. And that carries beyond just actors. I think you'll even see directors then they're like oh if, if some if a director has a breakout horror movie that but you know they want to do other stuff they want to do drama and comedy they're like well that's the horror that's the horror guy you know and so yeah it's an industry yeah. that does that quite a bit you know <laughs> very much so um but one of the other sides that the program has opened up is it's also allowed us to support performers to go on into other opportunities in the industry through the platform we've built with a mentorship program at Tapping Frog. We've had, uh, we've currently got two of our creatives who are now also developing their, their writing opportunities, which is actually quite lovely for me as a writer myself, because just as a creative to creative, the conversation becomes so much more enjoyable. You, We've had some phone calls where I'll have them phone me up and say, Okay, have you got a cup of coffee? I'm stuck on this bit on the script. I just want to kind of talk to somebody for a while that isn't a blank wall. And you sit there and you drink coffee and you kind of get it out of your system to each other. And without the other person necessarily influencing the story, sometimes it's just that capacity to connect with somebody who's actually listening to what you have to say. It's so and important. Fall into place. It's so important to have a sounding board as a creative. I really believe that. And I think that's something that people outside the industry don't realize how often that happens. Sometimes they think it's a singular vision of just one person. But I was just listening to this podcast actually that was talking about like the making of Star Wars and how George Lucas had screened a rough cut for his friends, Brian De Palma, who was the director of Scarface and Carlito's Way and the great director and Steven Spielberg. And the first rough cut was so rough that his wife was in tears. And then they went to a diner afterward and then he basically busted out a notebook and a pen and paper and his filmmaking buddies who were young at the time <laughs> were like, all right, George, like here's my notes on, and it, it got him thinking and then it got him to make modifications on Star Wars and that was, the rest is history. You know? Indeed. And now look at the franchise and, and the world of enjoyment built up for millions of fans around the world. It's, it's amazing. I think one of the fantastic things about this industry is it can be really tough. But at the same time, it's one of the few jobs you do where it just takes one opportunity that could push so many doors open. And you always have that capacity. Even if everything's gone horribly wrong today, tomorrow you get out of bed, you go at it again, and you never know. Today might be the day where that one opportunity connects. It's something that is, I think, the capacity you have in very few other industries, that opportunity of knowing every day could be the day where something big is going to happen. You just have to keep taking those steps to be in that position for something to happen. Uh, one of so the things true. I always tell the artists I develop is the fact that if you if you give up, you don't know if it's going to happen. It's all about building the opportunity to give yourself time to be in the right place so that you can take the most out of that opportunity when it presents itself. And... When, when we work with our actors, I've had younger actors say to me, oh, no, I have to, I have to do this horrible day job and it's, it's sucking me dry and it's taking the life out of me. And my opinion is, you're an actor. That is just research. 
you're out there learning about the human condition and about how people interact and what makes us all tick. And with one particular actor I worked with, uh, I actually started getting him in the habit of carrying a notebook around with him. And I said to him, whenever it gets you down, go have your break and just write down what these really annoying clients are saying and doing and driving you nuts with. Ironically, he's now off making short films because he's developed so much material from just watching the people around him. But that's fantastic. But I love that. In fact, I was just actually reading an article with uh, Quentin Tarantino where he said that that's his process as a writer. He's like, as a writer, a lot of people think that your job is to just create these things out of thin air. He's like, sometimes your job is to be an observer. And, you know, that he, he was talking about how a lot of the dialogue that he's had in his movies or actual bits of conversations that he's heard people say out loud. So yeah. it's yeah. exactly what Indeed. you're saying. It's, it's something where I think personally, I find actors really interesting to watch the older they get. Uh, because I feel like so much of their life experience starts to grow into what they're showing us. Um, and I think it's true in life as well. When we're all shiny and new and, and, and 21, it's exciting, but we make different mistakes to when we're 31 or different mistakes again to when we're 41. And I think all of that is part of what we should actually enjoy about life, that that capacity to, to learn and, and grow and I think something that's often left behind is we become so stuck in the rat race of I want to achieve this thing that we forget to live life on the way to achieving that thing. And once we realize the need to take all of these things that we see as distractions on board, because that feeds into that creative journey and it feeds into that story we can tell on the screen, then in a way it makes it less difficult to wait for the right things to happen because you realize actually they're already happening. We're just waiting for everything to to reach that point of coagulation for it to become ready to show to the world. I love that. I mean, that's something that resonates very deeply with me as well. I like something that you said earlier about that sometimes you approach your mentees with, well, where do you want to go? in a few years, because that'll help me give you the advice on where to go. Because that's something that I do with my uh, with my film students that I mentor. On my very first day, I, I sit down and make a five-year plan with them. I'm like, well, where do you see yourself mm -hmm. in five years? Where do you see yourself, what do you want to accomplish in one year, in six months? Because that'll help me sort of tailor my curriculum to be able to help you out the best, because everybody has a different goal. Um, you know, some people want to work on certain types of projects and certain types of positions and then that'll help me kind of best help them. But one of the things I find go hand in hand with that is not just where do you want to end up, but periodically also stopping and turning around and seeing what you've achieved. One of the things I think the pandemic has kind of pushed on a lot of creatives is actually realizing, especially when you're in that process of developing a career, that capacity to realize, hang on, I have already done this. I have already achieved this. I have ticked that box. And I think especially at this point, point in time, it's very important to maybe just be a bit less tough on ourselves and give ourselves that breathing space to realize there's certain things right now that we can't control. We have to actually have that moment of gratitude of realizing what is going well, what, what we can be thankful for, regardless of all the insanity of what's happening in the world right now. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I, I'm just a little curious too about your cinematic sensibilities. What are some things that have, you know, some movies that you love that have really influenced you? <laughs> your- oh gosh, I, this is always a crazy question to me <laughs> because my, my influences are extremely eclectic. I grew up on spaghetti westerns and my dad was a very big Clint Eastwood fan. So before you got to watch anything from the video store home and VHS, it would be a Clint Eastwood film which would be followed by Tom and Jerry. So growing up in South Africa, that was a very interesting way to develop a, a view of world on the screen and storytelling. Um, then as I got older, I started enjoying Tarantino way too much, which eventually I think is going to out itself in a, in a, in a bloodbath of a story. So watch this space. <laughs> but <laughs> I think... It's almost from one to the other because I see a lot of Eastwood's work, especially at the moment, as very much what makes a person make that choice that becomes pivotal. And then when I look at Tarantino, it's it's about those this character interactions yet again, even though you've got a lot more, how shall we say, showmanship kind of layered on top in the visual imagery. It's still about what makes people tick underneath all of that. And I think those are the two elements I really enjoy. Uh, then, of course, I'm I'm very keen on the classics. I think Hitchcock is a very very big guilty pleasure. Um, how is that a guilty? I love Hitchcock. I don't, I don't know how that's a guilty pleasure. <laughs> I find it's a guilty pleasure because whenever I say it, people go, "Oh yes, well everybody does that." And it's like, <laughs> well, fine, but but I quite like. My Hitchcockian moments. Uh, I love Hitchcock. <laughs> um, I think, in a weird way, it's kind of causing a bit of a melting pot because, especially with the projects that we self finance at the moment, like the new one, Icon of Betrayal, that will come out next year, it gives us a chance to kind of play around with what we're up to and how we're telling that story and, and exactly where we put the audience in that moment. So, in the last two projects we've done, it's it's been quite surprising actually because I tend to write lots of female-driven character stories, which is entertaining because when I write with Simon, he comes in and he says, "Okay, we need to balance the story now because all the girls are kicking our ass," and it's like, "Yes," <laughs> <laughs> but. As a result, what we found when we did a match of causality, which is the one that is starting to get some really good traction in the middle of a pandemic this year, what was quite enjoyable about the story was we actually had all of these, with it being a thriller, we had these interactions between this teenager who's got all these psychological issues that actually results in uh, affecting the people around her, which in a way is quite... It's cocky in a game because I'm not necessarily giving the audience all the answers. I want you to to be in a position where you're almost off balance a bit, just like the people being affected by this character that you're exposed to. Yes, and then, I love that because I don't like. I'm a person that doesn't like too much exposition. I don't like to be hammered over the head. I I like to sometimes connect the dots, and I I think smart filmmakers are ones that let the audience do that a little bit, and you know, don't spell everything out to the T. So yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of that completely. I, I've had some, some conflicting thoughts on this and I had to, as a, as a filmmaker, 
really reached that point of realization that you need to make the film that speaks to you. If you want to make the film that makes everybody happy, it's going to create a lot of heartache. And I think in the last 18 months, that's really reached that point of, of hitting. Because I think we, we went through a phase where we were trying, especially with the commercial projects that we have in development, we were really trying to tick all the boxes to get all the players on board. And then we had to make that realization of, listen, we have to tell the right story for us. We cannot just tell the story that makes everybody else happy because it's going to be really bland and boring and blasé and everybody has done that already. So we need to find our own way forward. And um, I think that became quite a nice turning point for us creatively. Again, because we're doing so much financing on our projects at the moment directly, it does probably give us the capacity to experiment more than a standard project would do. Uh, it makes it much more challenging because it's your own skin that's hanging in the game, of course, but that's also part of the thrill in a way. And so the film we, we've just completed in August that's in post at the moment is again, we again play with that idea of a strong female character, but at the same time, there's, there's all these things that make you think, hang on, is she guilty or is she innocent? So again, we're playing with that Hitchcockian sensibility of kind of bringing people in and, and making our audience think we, we want the audience to do some of the work. We don't just want to put it all on the plate. Saying that, I don't want to have a story that's so obscure that people go, oh my goodness, what the heck is happening? I'm not, I'm not quite that art nouveau. I no, quite I, well, like same, the same. I'm, popcorn. Right. I mean, there's, there's, there's an extreme, of course, like David Lynch is one extreme <laughs> where, <Yes. laughs> only, where only David Lynch knows quite what's going on. So I'm, I'm not talking about that as well, but I, you know, I think it's, you know, somewhere in the middle where it makes sense. I mean, personally, I like films that reward repeat watchability. So if yes. maybe somebody doesn't understand every single thing, but you know, there's, if they if they keep watching, they're like, oh yes, that makes sense, and oh that makes sense there, and a hundred percent, like where you land on all the major points from an initial watching, but there's still layers of things yes. to discover yes. upon repeated watchings. I quite like it when, even as a creator, we will be filming a project, and we'll go into watch the rushes at the end of the day, and I'll go, I really like where this is going, and the actors will come in and watch a rough cut and go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we'll, several months down the line, they'll see the final film. And the number of times I've had somebody turn around to me and go, you've put that in all the way from the start. And it's like, yes, awesome. You finally realized that's yeah. fantastic because now I know I've got you hooked as an audience member because you're starting to realize that this, everything is actually connected to what I want you to understand about the story. You might just not, realize that straight away because as people we take so much in every day that we take for granted i think cinema has the capacity to create that window to allow us to be reminded things are there for a reason it might just be a chair and a table but somewhere somehow there's a reason why there's a chair and table on the screen at that point at that time yes i love that Annery, I really appreciate you being on the cast today. I look forward to watching and supporting your work. And where could people follow along with you on social media? Oh, absolutely. You will find us on the very easy handles, 
Tapping Frog, and you'll find us under that handle on uh, both uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. So it keeps it very easy. Uh, if you need to find us and you get lost, just go to www.tappingfrog.com. No, there's no dancing tapping frogs, but hey, it's a fun industry. We want you to remember us. So that's why we're the tapping frogs. Um, tappingfrog.com, you'll find all our social links. You'll see what we're up to. And if you want to support our mentorship program, you'll find us at Mentor Through Film, or one word, mentorthroughfilm.com. You'll see some of the lovely talents we're supporting and what they're up to and, and how they're hitting the industry. And we look forward in years to come for you to see these faces again and again and again and again. So thank you very much for having us today. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Appreciate you so much.